The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. All right, if you have your Bible, go to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6, we're beginning a brand new series, as you saw in that video called Note to Self. And this series is going to be all about us looking at things in our life that are sometimes kind of easy to forget, but are important to remember. You know, a note to self is, is a note that we make. Maybe it's something we write on a postcard. Maybe it's, it's, uh, it's an alarm we put on our phone. Maybe it's a string we tie around our finger if we're old school. But it's something that we do because there's something in our life we need to remember. And maybe we forget about this because it's not a part of our usual routine or, or it's just something a little bit more difficult, but we'll forget about about it if we don't have something to remind us of it. So what the, we're going to do in this series is we're going to look at some of these important biblical truths that we got to root our life in, and we're going to remind you of them so that you can live from them, because there's some great promises that God has for your life. I hope you know that. But, but if you don't recognize that and keep some of these things in the forefront of your mind, you'll, you won't walk in some of the things God has for you. So, so today, I want to talk to you, and I'm, I'm telling you, I have such a burden for this message this morning. I want to talk to you about hope. In fact, I'm calling this message, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down. I'm calling this message, Keep Hope Alive. Oh. Keep Hope Alive. Everybody say this. Say, note to self, note to self. Keep, hope alive. keep hope alive. Hebrews 6, verse 19, says it like this. It says, we have this hope as an anchor. Everybody say anchor. anchor. It's an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. You know, we all need hope in our life. Yeah. We really do. And one of the reasons why we need hope in our life is because there are storms that will come against us in life. There are circumstances that are going to attack you. There, there are things that are going to try to rise up against you and knock you off the path of purpose that God wants you to walk in. So the enemy is going to come after you. And he's going he's gonna to try to steal, kill, and destroy. There's an enemy. You know, some of the stuff we face is a part of being a part of this world. Some of the stuff we face is mistakes that we have made, but it's all rooted in this enemy, Satan, who, who has brought sin and destruction into this world, and he's a thief who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And so one of the things that he wants to do is he wants to steal away your hope so that he can, he can, through, he, he can steal your hope, and then he can kill your dreams and he can destroy your purpose. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal your hope, destroy your dreams, uh, and, 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 and uh, destroy your purpose and steal away your dreams. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And one of the ways he does this is there's this path that happens when we get hopeless. And we step into a hopeless situation. Something comes against us that's discouraging. And it, typically, there's about three stages that we walk through. Three stages of hopelessness. The first one is this. We get discouraged. An attack comes against you and we get discouraged. In fact, Job 4 verse 5 says this. Trouble comes to you and you are discouraged. And maybe you find yourself in that place today. You had a dream. You had a vision. You had a hope. You had something in your life that you were aiming for. And something has happened. It didn't work out the way you wanted it to. Maybe you didn't make the grades. You didn't get into the school you wanted to. Maybe you're a high school student right now and you're getting ready to go into high school and you're going, what is this? This is my senior year of high school. What is this year going to look like? College student, you're looking at your life right now and going, what is going on? Maybe, maybe uh, your marriage is, is falling apart. 
Maybe your finances are a mess. Maybe your health is a mess. And you look at the situation and you're discouraged. And the longer we stay discouraged, the further we move towards the next stage, which is we get depressed. Proverbs 13, verse 12 says, hope deferred. Now, that's interesting. That word deferred doesn't mean it's taken away. It just means it's delayed. But notice that even hope deferred, even when just your hope is delayed, it can make your heart sick. And some of you, your dream isn't dead. It's just been delayed a little bit, but you feel sick. And the longer it takes, the longer you find yourself in this place where it's not working out on your timetable, the more you start to feel like it's never going to work out. And the further you move down that direction, you move to the third phase phase of, of hopelessness, which is where we get to this place of despair, where we feel like maybe this will never fix itself. Maybe I'll never lose this weight. I'll never find a spouse. I'll never get out from under this debt. I'll never fix this problem. And so we move to the despair where we start to go, what's the point? What's the point of even trying? Why put up a fight anymore? Why not just give up and give in and quit? I want you to know today, if that's where you find yourself, there's hope for you. And I'm not talking about just an optimistic approach to life. I'm talking about a real, certain hope that you can find in God. God has a plan for you. Jeremiah 29 verse, verse 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. God's talking here. He says he has a plan for you. That should, give, that should put some hope in you right there. Notice what it says, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. God doesn't want to hurt you. God's not looking to destroy you and steal and kill and do that stuff. That's what the devil does, okay? Look at this. He wants to give you a hope and a future. And that's so important because if you don't have hope, you won't have much of a future. If you can't grab a hold of some hope for a future, you're not going to have the kind of future God wants you to walk in. You got to have this hope. And when I, when I talk about hope here, again, I'm not talking about just being optimistic, looking at the clip half full, you know, seeing things from the sunny side of life. Like that's, that's not going to help you. I'm talking about a real hope. In fact, look back at the verse. It says, we have this hope. Notice it's a specific hope. And it's an anchor for our soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. It's the part of you where decisions are being made from a lot of times. Firm and secure. It means it's stable. So so another translation of this verse It says it's a certain hope. And when it says certain, it doesn't mean it's a specific hope. It means it is a specific hope, but it's certain in the fact that you can count on it. You can take it to the bank. It's a hope that you can depend on that's going to always come through for you. It's a real hope. That's not optimism. Optimism looks at situations and it says, well, this is pretty bad, but you know, there's probably a a good side to this. I'm I'm sure we can find something good in this. But I want you to know today, if you're here and you're really hurting, like your, your spouse cheated on you, me coming up to you and saying, there's probably a good side of this somewhere, you know? That doesn't help you much, does it? If you're here this morning and you're struggling in your finances and struggling to pay bills, me going, well, just you need to look for the sunny side. That's not going to help you, is it? No. No, what you need is a real hope, a a certain hope, a specific hope. And I want you to know today, what I'm talking to you about today, when I'm saying we got to keep hope alive, I'm not talking about optimistic. Now, listen, I'm not saying be pessimistic, okay? We don't want that. A bunch of woe is me, sad, sorry Charlies. We're not looking at that, okay? I'd rather you be optimistic than pessimistic, but what I'm talking to you about when I talk about hope is not just wishful thinking, 
I'm talking to you about a certain specific hope. Here's what that word hope means. Look at this. It's the Greek word elpizo. It means a confident expectation based on something solid. Biblical hope is a confident expectation based on something solid. What is it based on? It's based on God. Amen. I should have got way more amens than that. (laughs) It's based on God. It's based on God's promises. That's what our hope is in. God, his character, his nature, his promises, his willingness to fulfill those. And yet so often we forget about God. We look for hope in other things. Job 8 verse 13 says, those who forget God have no hope. And boy, we see that in the world. We see people that are looking for hope in whatever they can find it in. They're looking for hope in politics, looking for hope in the next vacation, looking for hope in who gets elected. I want you to know, we got an election coming up in November. No matter who gets voted in, they're not the savior. Just so you know. They're not going to turn everything around just because we put your specific person, your party candidate in the office. If your hope is in that, you got your hope in the wrong thing. Your hope has to be in the Lord. It's a certain hope. It's a biblical hope. And here's what that means. Here's the difference between optimistic and this biblical certain hope. Optimism says there's probably a good side. Let's look for the sunny side. This biblical hope I'm talking about can look at the circumstance and say, this is bad. This is not good. This is probably about as bad as it can get. And yet I have hope. Why? Because my hope is not in the circumstances. My hope is in my God who supersedes the circumstance. Can I get an amen? That's the hope I'm talking about. And the Bible says that this hope is an anchor. Now, I wanted to help you kind of get this this morning. So I actually brought an anchor with me today. I got an anchor. I went to Cabela's, and boy, did I feel out of my element. I'm not a Cabela's dude. You see that in me? Yeah, I bet you do. But um, I'm walking around there going, anchor, anyone, help. But anyways, I found it, okay? Got it. Here's an anchor. And you think about an anchor. An anchor really, it does two things. Uh, The first thing an anchor does is an anchor eliminates drift. If you're in a little boat out in the ocean or on a lake, I I was with my family out on the lake a few weeks ago. Yeah, me, I know, crazy. We're on the lake and we were fishing with my brother-in-law who's a redneck. That's why I was out on the lake. So I'm with family, okay? I'm out there fishing and we're in this little boat and he's having to like work this thing constantly because it drifts. It constantly is drifting. And so what an anchor does is you drop this anchor and you attach it to the boat and it keeps you from being subject to the drift. And you know, in life, it's easy to drift, isn't it? It's easy to drift. It's easy to drift away from God, to lose our commitment to him. We come to Jesus and we love him so much and we're just happy to read his word and you read it, it just comes alive to you. But then you, you go through life and it gets familiar and you start to drift. And then you don't read it as much. You only read it at church. We only read it when things get really bad and you need help. We drift. We drift away from relationships. We drift in our, in our marriage. We get married and man, we're so in love, aren't we? We die for that person. And then later on, we find ourselves doing stuff treating them a certain way and we're just ashamed of ourselves if we're really being honest. We drift away from our dreams. 
You know, you talk to a little kid sometime, ask them what they want to do. Sky's the limit. Yeah. The older you get, the more you get in touch with reality. Yeah. And we drift. And those things that at one point we're going, That's, I'm going to do that, and it's going to matter, and it's going to make a difference. We drift. Yeah. And all of a sudden we just are happy with Netflix. And drinking from the toilet. Not literally, like drinking from the, like media today. That's what I'm talking about. Anchors provide stability. They help us not drift. They also, they provide stability in the storm. When the storms come, and listen, storms are going to come. Problems are going to come. And waves and winds are going to blow against you, especially if you've got a big dream. They're going to come. And if you don't have something anchored to the right thing, holding you stable, you're going to be subject to the storm. The storm's going to knock you all over the place. We need an anchor. I, I actually, uh, this week as I was studying this, I, I came across some images of anchors I wanted to show you. This first one, if you guys would throw that up there, this is like the, the anchor that you've, you've probably seen before. It's kind of the, the anchor picture we know of. You know, this is the one that is on logos people do for churches. Yeah. This is the one that people get tattooed on them, you know. Yeah. Anchor, hope, yeah, cool. I'm not dogging you. If you got an anchor tattoo, about <laughs> But this is, I, I'm cool with that. I'm cool, I really am. But we get this, we, 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 this is what we think of. It's got those hooks on it. What do they do? You throw that anchor into the, into the water, and those hooks grab onto the bedrock, and they provide stability. And so I, I was looking at this, and then that kind of led me to thinking, I wonder what some of the biggest anchors in the world look like. Let's show that next image. This is, an, this is an image of the chain of one of those anchors of like an oil tanker. Look at that. Each one of those, those rings is 500 pounds. Isn't that crazy? Look at that little guy. Like, look how little he looks in there. Wow. <laughs> I'll show the next one. This is the biggest anchor in the world. That's kind of what it led me to. Now, that doesn't even look like an anchor to me. That looks like a can opener, doesn't it? <laughs> but that's the biggest anchor. Look at those little people down there. I, don't, I can't believe they're under that. That weighs 75 tons, 150,000 pounds. Think about what that has to be holding in place. Pretty impressive, right? Okay, so why did I show you all this? Because, because here's the thing you need to see. The bigger the ship, the bigger the anchor. Okay, so let me bring that home a little bit. The bigger the dream, the bigger the hope. The bigger the dream, the bigger the hope you need to have. And I hope you know that God has big plans for you, big dreams for you. Big things he wants to accomplish through you. The Bible says he wants to give you a rich and satisfying life. And we think selfishly about that. But when God says he wants to give you a rich and satisfying life, he wants your life to be rich so other people are blessed. So you're richly blessing and taking care and helping other people. Like some of you people are doing in our church who are going out of your way to take the gifts God's given you and use them to bless other people. That's a rich life. Satisfying life means it's not just you're happy, but other people are satisfied and come to know Jesus through you. An abundant life. That's the life God has for you. It's a big life. You're going to need a big hope. Why? Because there's going to be a big storm. Guarantee you. There's going to be a storm that attacks you. Big attacks are going to come, and you're going to need to be strong and have something that you're anchored to. 
You gotta be prepared. You gotta be anchored to something bigger than you. You need not just an optimistic view, you need a certain hope. You need a hope that is anchored in God. Now, how can we have this kind of hope in God? Okay, go back to Hebrews chapter six, all right? Verse 19 we read earlier. We're gonna start in verse 13 because it's leading up to what, what, what we read in verse 19. It, it talks about uh, the story of Abraham. Look at this with me. In Hebrews chapter six, starting in verse 13, it says, there was, a, there was God's promise to Abraham. Okay, so stop right there. Uh, this New Testament verse is pointing us back to the story of Abraham. Now, if you don't know the story of Abraham, if you're new to the church, uh, in the book of Genesis, you can read the story of Abraham. And Abraham is this guy who became the father of the nation of Israel. And, and God came to him one day and he said, I'm going to make you a father. In fact, I'm going to give you a, a, a lineage, a generation a, that's going to go on and on through you. And, I, and he says, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to bless the world through you. That's a pretty awesome promise. God promises that to him. But, but here's the problem with the promise is when God makes this promise to him, Abraham is old. Like he, he's beyond childbearing years and so is his wife, Sarah. And so they, they can't have this promise unless God does a miracle. God's gonna have to show up. But that's the thing and that's what this, voice, this verse is pointing us to that when God makes a promise, even when you look at it and you say, this is gonna be impossible for this to come through. This is, there's no way this can actually happen. If God said it, you can bet on it. You can count on it. And the verse goes on to talk about this. Look at what it says. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name. Okay, so check this out. God says this, like we've done, you've probably done this before, and just so you know, you're not supposed to, it's not right, but you probably said, man, I swear to God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that, I swear to God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop doing that, I swear to God. Well, don't do that, you're not supposed to do that, okay? But that's what God does, because God can do whatever he wants. But what God does is he goes, I swear to, to me, because there's no one greater to swear to. See, we swear to God because we're going, I, I swear to someone greater than myself, God couldn't do that. There's no one greater than him. So he says, I swear to me. And he says, I will certainly bless you and I'll multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently. I don't like that part. Right. <laughs> he waited patiently and received what God had promised. Verse 17, God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. I hope you're listening. Please listen. Don't check out. Read this with me. Verse 18. So God gave both his promise and his oath. Check this out. These two things are unchangeable because, read this next part with me, it is impossible for God to lie. It is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we, he's talking about me and you now, we, turn the person beside you, say he's talking to you. We who have fled to him, fled to Jesus for our refuge, can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. And then verse 19, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for the soul. So this certain hope, here's what it is. It's, it's a certain hope that is rooted in God and his unchangeable nature. It's rooted in God who if he makes a promise, he will not lie. If he made a promise, you can take it to the bank. That's God. It's rooted in him and who he is and what he says. So 
If you need hope, where do you find it? You find it in God and his character, and you find it in God and his word, which will not change. He cannot lie, so here's what we do. We get into the word, we find the promises of God, and we anchor ourselves to those promises. Can I get an amen? You got to know the word. You got to get in the word. I know it seems so simple. You're coming to church, and I'm telling you, read your Bible. But it's that simple. Like, we can't overcomplicate this because God made it simple because God wanted you to get it. That's what we have to anchor our life to, God's word, God's character, God's nature. You got to know who God is. You get a revelation of who God is through his word. You understand the promises he has for you through his word. You got to get in the word so that you can know verses. Like Philippians 4.19, it says that my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. You're struggling in your finances? Having a hard time paying your bills? The Bible tells us that my God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Doesn't say according to the stock market. Doesn't say according to the economy. It's based on God. It's based on his character. It's based on his riches. And just so you know, he's loaded. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He created the world. Do you think it's hard for God to funnel resources to you? He's God. It's not. But you gotta, you gotta get in that promise. You gotta know that promise. Maybe you're suffering in your body right now, physically. Isaiah 53, 5 says, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. By his stripes, we are healed. Now, I don't know where your theology lands when it comes to healing. But just so you know, at this church, we believe that Jesus is a healer. And we're going to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. And I believe that the nature of God is that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That he doesn't change. And I believe that Jesus didn't take those stripes on his back just so one generation could be touched by it. That makes no sense to me. And so we're going to stand on the word of God. We're going to stand on the promises of God. And if you don't want to do that, if you don't want to agree with that, that's okay. You can be wrong. (laughs) But we're going to stand on the word. We're going to believe it. We're going to take God at his word. And I'm just letting you know, I've done it and I've seen it work. Many of you know my story. Some of you don't, so I'm going to share it again. My, My mother, when she was a young child, she fell. And she hit her head. And when she hit her head, it caused this thing to happen in her brain, which caused a a muscle in her eye to mess up. And she had a crossed eye. And her whole childhood, she had a crossed eye. She'd go get surgery, they'd fix it, and then would go back. The muscle could not be corrected. And at 17 years old, she cried out to Jesus Christ. And with a group of friends, she got saved. And that night, they prayed for her. They laid hands on her, and she was healed. And she's had perfect vision ever since. A few years later, my mom was told by doctors, they were trying to have babies, and she couldn't have babies. And she went to the doctor, and they said, you have endometriosis. You'll never have children. They said, you need to have a hysterectomy. They told her that. But my mom was just dumb enough to get into the word of God and to find a promise that says he makes the barren woman to be a joyful mother of children. And she began to stand on that. And she didn't have to go, she didn't, she didn't get shots, she didn't get planted. Like This is 1975. She got pregnant with my sister. And then she got pregnant four years later with me. I exist because of the promises of God and someone who was willing to put their hope and their faith in that. In my own life, in my own life, when I was a kid, kids, just so you know, kids can, can, can experience the touch of God, just so you know, and that's why back there in our children's churches, we, we preach to those kids, we deliver the word of God to them, we let them come forward and receive prayer because we believe God wants to minister to them. I was in children's church, and they were preaching about healing, and they said, if you, you need healing, come forward. I had a wart on my foot, and I was embarrassed. 
But I went forward, and I was like, they were like, what do you need prayer for? I was like, I got a war on my foot. <laughs> what, what's that? I got a, I got a war on my foot. <laughs> and so they prayed. They prayed for the war on my foot. And I went home, and it wasn't any better. And that night, I was in the bathtub, because I like to take baths. Even as a kid, I like to take baths. I'm in the bathtub, and that thing fell off. Amen. Fell off. Yeah. I'd had it for months. Nothing, it had not gone away. And the day I pray for it, it just falls off. Not a coincidence. Amen. I could tell you story after story of people yeah. in our church that have been healed, have been touched by God. Miraculous healing. Arthritis going away. Pain in their body going away. Allergies, allergic reactions going away. God's a healer. Yeah. Do you know the promise of healing? Are you standing on that promise? Do you need healing in your body? Find the promise. Stand on the promise. You need to know these promises. When your kids come to you in the night, they're scared. They're afraid of something. You look at them and you say, you know what? God hasn't given you the spirit of fear. The power and love and sound mind. The spirit ain't from God. God loves you. He's for you. That's coming from the enemy. So we rebuke you, Satan. And this fear you're trying to bring against them, you have no place in their life. Now you get your butt back to bed. Because you ain't, you, ain't, you ain't sleeping with mom and daddy. You need to know the promises of God. So your kids ain't sleeping in bed with you. Amen? Amen. There's going to be winds and there's going to be waves. You've got to know the word. You've got to get in the word. God's word is the, is the highest reality that exists. So you've got to get in. You've got to know it. Everything that God has done for you, it's available to you through the word. You've got to get in the word. Quit looking to worldly stuff to help you, to be your hope. Quit looking at that medicine to be your hope. I'm not saying quit taking your medicine, but don't count on it for everything. Right. Quit looking at that. If I was just married, if I just had a boyfriend, if I just had a girlfriend, if I could just get those grades, if I can just get to the next vacation. Listen, there are, there are good things and there are bad things that we can put our hope in, but if it's not a God thing, it's the wrong thing. You got to put your hope in God. Now, here's the thing about this hope. It's going to take some time. And that's, that's why it's frustrating. You know that verse that says in Hebrews 6.15, Abraham waited patiently. I don't like that part. Like, I, if it was up to me, if I was God, and I'd be a bad God, by the way, but if it was up to me, I'd take a lot of that waiting patiently out. Because <laughs> I, I don't like it, but, but the reality for our life is it, it's going to take time. And, and there's, there's typically, there's most of the time, there's a season of waiting between the promise and the promise fulfilled. And I'll also say this, a lot of times, the bigger the hope, the bigger the dream, the longer the wait. I remember I got called into ministry at 17 years old. I got called, I felt like God called me that one day I was going to pastor a church at 23, and I was ready. I'm kidding, I was, I was 23 years old. <laughs> I wasn't ready. I thought I was, but I wasn't. But I started pastoring this church. I did a lot of things in that season of waiting, but I didn't start pastoring this church until I was 35. I didn't get a building until I was 40. But we did okay, right? Yeah. But there was a season of waiting, and there's, there's, there's always going to be a season of waiting. And godly hope is, is a patient understanding that it's not always going to happen overnight. Yeah. And, and so we, we continue to hope. Okay, so you say, what do I do while, I, while I'm waiting? You stay active. 
You stay active. You, you have a part to play. Look, look at what it says back in Hebrews 6, verse 18. It says, we can have great confidence as we hold on to the hope that lies before us. There's a holding on required. You know, on this, on this anchor, you'll notice something. There's the anchor, but there's also this rope. And the rope is important. They don't make the, like you're not gonna go into a nautical supply shop and they're gonna be like, dude, we got a new anchor. It's Bluetooth. Just chunk it over and your boat will not move. No. Technology's moving in a lot of ways, but it ain't moving in that way yet. These suckers aren't Wi-Fi. They gotta be connected. There's gotta be something holding it in place, something that it's anchored to. You need something you can anchor your hope to. We've gotta be active. That's our part. We hold on. We, we anchor ourselves to God. We anchor ourselves to his promises. And then while we're waiting, we hold on. And we keep holding on. And maybe while we're doing it, we're pulling ourselves a little bit closer to it. We keep pulling towards what God has. Look back at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. Uh, this hope we have is an anchor for our soul, both sure and steadfast. That means we can count on it. Which enters, now look at where it goes from here. It says, which enters the presence behind the veil. So now it starts to talk about the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Where the forerunner, everybody say forerunner. Forerunner. It's not a Toyota, something else. The forerunner has entered for us. This is talking about where Jesus has gone. Jesus has gone before us. Even Jesus, it says that. Having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So this verse tells us that our hope in this world is secured to Jesus in heaven. So what we're, 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 our hope is in God, our hope is in God's promise, and we're secured to this location where we've been seated with God in heavenly places above all the things of this earth with Christ Jesus. In other words, we, we look at our circumstances and we say it's because of what Jesus has done that these promises can be mine. It's because of what Jesus has done that I can have a relationship with God. It's because Jesus is my forerunner that I'm going to make it. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get where he wants me to be because he goes before me. You know that word uh, forerunner is, is the Greek word prodromos. And I, and I love this word, studying this word this week. And this word has such a deep meaning. The, the meaning of this word is, okay, a, a, a forerunner was a boat, in the, in the, according to this, this word. It was a boat that would be in a harbor. And it would, this harbor would be kind of a dangerous harbor. It would be a harbor that was hard to navigate. And so the forerunner boat knew the harbor. It knew how to navigate the harbor. And so what would happen is a boat would come to the edge of that harbor and they would take their anchor and they would connect it to the forerunner. And then the forerunner would begin to pull that boat through that dangerous harbor. It knew how to get it through. It knew where to turn. It knew how to avoid the tide and how to avoid the dangers of the harbor. And it would move, it would move that boat to the place it needed to be. And then when it got to that place, it would, it would, it would winch it in, inch by inch, into its home, into its safe location. Boy, isn't that a picture of Jesus? Jesus went before us. He suffered and died and made a way. So now we can, we can hitch ourselves to his wagon. We can attach ourselves, put our anchor on him, and he's going to lead us by the Holy Spirit through this world, through the troubles, through the issues, and he's going to winch us in inch by inch closer and closer to our ultimate home in heaven. Isn't that good? That's, that's the Jesus that we serve. That's what he did for us. That's what's available to us. But listen, listen, the key to that 
is we got to hold on. Yeah, that's good. If that boat's being pulled through and it, it lets go of the anchor, now it's in the harbor on its own. A dangerous harbor. A lot of pitfalls can take place if it's not holding on. So what does hanging on look like? It looks like faith. It looks like faith. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance of things that we're hoping for. So hope is the, is the anchor in God, in the word of God, in the promises that are available through Christ Jesus. But faith is, is jot this down if you're taking notes. Faith is the tangible expression of that hope. Faith is the tangible expression of that hope. Because faith by definition is trust that produces actions. Trust that produces actions. In other words, faith says, my hope is in you and I trust you so much, the actions of my life are gonna be in agreement with that trust that I have in you. That's faith. And it's that faith that we hold on to that winches us in closer and closer to the promises of God, closer and closer to what God has for us. Let me say it like this, okay? It's kind of like this. Faith is uh, the vehicle and hope is the destination. Faith is the vehicle. Hope is the destination. So in my family, we go on vacation from time to time. And I've got three kids. My oldest is uh, 12. My youngest is six. So we still got some little kids. And when you travel with kids, it's a blessing. <laughs> it, it's something to be endured is really what it is. <laughs> And so faith is, is getting in that vehicle and saying, okay, I'm going to get in this car and I'm going to drive and I'm going to put the pedal to the metal. And I don't care how many times Bo says, are we there yet? I don't care. We're going to keep going because I'm going, I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to keep, my actions are going to stay going because there's a destination that I'm going to. On the other end of that road trip is Disney. It's Florida. It's whatever it may be. So I'm going to keep holding on. Okay, here's my question for you this morning. What's on the other end of your drive? Is there anything there? Have you let go? Like for real. Like if you look at your life right now, have you just settled into a rut of you're living because you're not dead yet? Is there something bigger than you? that you're chasing after, that the actions of your life are pursuing, that your hope is in so you can chase after it in faith. What's on the other end of your drive? Maybe it's a marriage that's repaired. Maybe it's your children coming back to Jesus. Uh, maybe it's financial freedom. Maybe it's freedom from an addiction. Whatever it is, listen, you gotta keep hope alive. You gotta keep hope alive and take steps of faith. So what's faith do? Faith says, okay, my marriage needs work, so I'm gonna go to counseling. That's an action I can do. And I'm gonna quit talking about my spouse like that. Am I helping you this morning? Yes, yeah. so good. Uh, faith says, I'm not gonna overschedule my life. I'm gonna trust God that I don't have to work and be separated from my family all the time. I'm going to trust God that even though I see a little athletic ability in my kids, I'm not going to allow that to pull us away from church. Am I, am I stepping on some toes this morning? Good. <laughs> because guess what? Someday, 
when your kids need to anchor their life, if they haven't seen you anchor your life, you're, you're dreaming if you think they're going to anchor themselves to church if you ain't ever going. What are you anchored to? Your kids need to be in church. You need to be in church. Come on. Faith is active. Faith says, I'm going to cut up the credit cards. Faith says, I'm going I'm to start tithing. I'm going to live according to the word of God and the principles of God. Faith says, I'm going to throw out the Twinkies. What, what is faith saying to you today? What's the action? What's the hope? And what's the step? We've got to keep hope alive, church. There's an active part that we play. Our hope is in God. There's a season of, of waiting. There's always going to be a season of waiting. But we stay active in the season. We keep pursuing God. We keep chasing after him. Because winds and, and, and waves are going to crash against you. They're going to try to knock you off task and off path and off purpose. But if your hope is anchored to Jesus Christ, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Note to self, keep hope alive. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? I really do have such a burden for you this morning. Some of you have let go of your hope. God wants to resurrect it in you today. You've let go of your dreams because they don't make sense to you anymore. You've anchored yourself in the world's realities instead of on the promises of God. And I'm here pleading with you on behalf of Jesus Christ. Don't do that. Trust God. Trust His Word. Trust His promises. Lord, I just pray for this congregation of people, for those who have let go of dreams, for those who have laid down promises. I pray, Lord, that they would grab a hold of those things once again. They would anchor themselves to you, Lord, because you're a certain hope. They would anchor themselves to your promises. They would anchor themselves to the, the work of Jesus Christ and the help of the Holy Spirit. Lord, help us today. We need hope. Resurrect hope in us today in Jesus' name. If you're here today with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, maybe you've never taken the first step in anchoring your life to Jesus Christ and making him the Lord of your life. And if that's you today, I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to help you to take that first important step in receiving a new spirit, being born again. Listen, a lot of the stuff you're trying to do, you're trying to overcome, you're trying to walk in victory, if you're not anchored in Jesus in your spirit and born again, you can't do it. You can't do it. You're a, you're, you're a sinner according to scripture. And you know what sinners do? They sin. <laughs> it's just what happens. You don't have the, the power of the Holy Spirit in you helping you to walk in the fruit of the spirit to overcome the things that are overcoming you. If that's you today, Jesus is saying, hey, I'm here. I'm here. I want to be your Lord. So if you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, or maybe you have, but you've drifted, you've drifted, 
and you know you need to throw your anchor back on Jesus. Connect yourself to the forerunner. If that's you today, I want to help you with that. So if that's you, I'm going to pray a prayer. And I want you in agreement to pray this prayer with me out loud. And church, since we're in agreement with the prayer they're praying, let's all pray this prayer together. Say, Father God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for my sins. I confess that I've sinned and I need a savior. And I believe that Jesus died for me. And I believe that he rose from the grave so that I could be resurrected into new life with him, through him, for him. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. I make you my Lord. I make you my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.